people have opinions without being fully informed. Trust me, I'm a Canadian here. I don't care if you're a Christian, Messianic, or Hebrew roots. I want to know if your theology is biblical. Maybe I'm right. Of course I'm right. If you're going to cite a source, be responsible. You know, cite your source. Your mom goes to college. Hey, we're just having a conversation. There's only 36 people listening anyway, right? You can Google it. Wow, at what point does history matter? At what point does truth matter? An alien invasion. Is it biblical? Of course it is. Look, there's a way to do scholarship and a way not to do scholarship. you got to cite your source. Who's your source? My best friend's sister's boyfriend's brother's girlfriend heard from this guy who knows his kid is going with the girlfriend. And that about sums it up. What up, Angelo, and welcome to the Robin Caleb Show. The show where theology matters, scholarship counts, and theology matters. My name is Caleb Hegg. With me, of course, Rob Van Hoff. What up, Rob? How's it going, brother? It's going well. Yep. <laughs> what up? This is cool to be live like this on uh, on the big FB. <laughs> yeah, Facebook Live. What can you do? Check that out. Look at this. Now, I don't. Are, are you watching the feed on Facebook Live right now, Rob? Yeah, a little bit of a lag. But that's okay. But check this out. So uh, pe- people will be able to see this. Uh, you know, all of a sudden I can I can move camera shots. Just Rob or just me <laughs> or check it. And this is a really a very cool feature now. I can also go to my accordance. So if I want to if I want to show people something on accordance, I can do that. Yeah. That's cool. You'd have to boost your uh font size there quite a bit. There, I right? know. That's okay. Um I'm I can't I can't even tell. Let's see here. Can we uh can we see comments? I suppose I can't see comments in here. Hmm? Um audience engagement. Interesting. This whole thing is very new for all of for Rob and me, and so we're uh yeah, yeah. if you have if you click the comment. Oh good. Eve says before they head out they can join for a while. Cool. So not only are we live in America, we're coming at you in the UK as well. That's right. Live. And uh, I, I would be interested to see if uh, if it works over in Hungary where one of our uh where one of our listeners is, she was having trouble with, uh, she was having trouble with, uh, you know, basically logging into the chat room and seeing us and all that kind of stuff. So, anyway, uh, hopefully it's uh, it's working out well. <laughs> Finally, we get some decent volume. Lois says, "Nice, okay, good." Well, I yeah, I hope that uh, I hope this works out for everybody, and. Uh, and Caleb, you can produce on the fly too, right? You can like tweak volumes. You can do. I can. Wow. Oops. Sorry about that. Um, yes, I can produce on the fly. At least that's the goal. That's the that's the thought. Whether or not it's actually going to work or not. <laughs> we'll okay. See. I have to not be distracted by Facebook. Sorry. I gotta I gotta ch- change my screen arrangement here because that whole thing. I'm gonna just so I can only see the chat. That's what I'm doing. The chat. Yeah. <laughs> there's too many ad stuffs popping around and. Plus, the, the leg is kind of uh, going to take some getting used to. Exactly. All right. Anyway, well, what up and shalom to everybody out there in Facebook land and everywhere else. If you're watching this on YouTube later, great. Um, yeah. And, of course, the Robin Caleb Show is brought to you by TorahResource.com. Go to Torah Resource. Find all sorts of great free stuff. we got articles. we got, you know, get a library membership for less than $8.50 a month. And uh, then you can... You can uh, 
enjoy all of our digital stuff. I mean, there's there's just tons of stuff that uh, you can see. And also, of course, it's also brought to you by Yeshua Shirts, YeshuaShirts.com. And why is that? Because those people have been smart enough to send us free product. And so, um, <laughs> um, yeah, anyway, uh, so go to YeshuaShirts.com, enter the code TRRADIO into the coupon box at checkout and get 10% off, right? And, of course, you can always tell us, um, what you think about the Rob and Caleb show, whether you love it, hate it, agree, disagree, whatever you want to do, you can do that by calling our, our comment line, which is just a recorded message. You won't talk to either of us. So, you know, there you go. You, you can, you can say whatever you want. 253-465-3205. I'll give it to you again. It's 253-465-3205. So. Many people probably know that on this show we have a soundboard and we're always looking for new sound clips and whatnot. Uh, if you listen to our show on a regular basis, you would probably also realize that my wife does not listen to this show. And I don't think your wife does either, right? She has to put up with me enough already. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, my wife always says, uh, yeah, I, uh, I have to listen to him talk all day long. I don't need to listen to him talk more when he's not at home. So... Anyway, uh, the interesting thing is is that my wife sent me a link the other day to a new sound clip. It's a little bit hard to uh, to to hear, but uh, I think it does actually go with kind of some of the theme of our shows every once in a while. Uh, listen to hear and hear if you can hear this. If you want to add glitter to that glue you're sniffing, that's fine, but don't dump your wackadoo all over us. If you want to, if you want to add glitter to the glue you're sniffing, go right ahead. But don't dump your wackadoo all over us. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Funny. I'm sorry. We probably won't ever use it, but I thought it was hilarious that that's that's the idea that she has of this show. Um, anyway, yeah. Okay. Well, I hope everybody in the chat room is doing all right. Um, chat room's a little different today, I know, and uh, we've we've tried Facebook before. And it didn't work out the way that we wanted it to. But we didn't have live video the last time that we were on Facebook, right? And we're going to have to figure out why uh, why my video is so grainy. Well, and it's it's off. Your video is off. Like your audio and your video is not right. Mm, probably my internet, man, maybe. Exactly. Um, okay. Well, let's get into it then. Uh Anything else you want to talk about before we – I mean, what, what have you been up to, man? I haven't seen you in a week. Um, well, I oh, I submitted – I've got two papers submitted for SBL. Two? All in yeah, the, the Missouri section? No, one in Missouri and one on Galatians. So I'm uh, really excited about that one. But we don't find out for – till mid-April, I think. I mean, they, so – Basically, you know, you have to sell your idea, right? They give you 250 words or less or whatever. What is it you're arguing? Why do we care? <laughs> yeah. And uh, so. Now, that's that at the SBL? Is that, is that at the SBL? In Boston, yeah. So I, let's, I'm trying to think if we've uh, – have we attended the Galatians uh, sessions before? <clears throat> I might have. Well, there's more than one. There, there's all sorts of stuff on Paul going on. You know, it, it, there's multiple sessions uh, that look at, you know, whether it's Pauline epistles generally, Paul and Judaism. Um, then they'll have like Romans, they'll have Galatians, they'll have 
you know, first century Jewish world, you know, all these. And so, um, you can, you know, one paper could probably fit in a number of different possible groups. Mm. Very cool. But anyway, so, so that's, that's what, one thing. What, I what if you gonna... get, what if you get accepted in both sessions at the same time? Well, they have schedule. They have a little thing where you put any potential scheduling conflicts, and I just put a note. You know, have a paper submitted also to Missouri section or whatever. Um, so, <laughs> hopefully, cool. You know, I'd like it'd be great to do one or other or the other or both. Or and if you know, soon you'll be like NT Wright running around giving lectures like all the time, right? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> All right. Anyway. Well, let's. Uh, I and guess we're wrapping up. This. This is a. We. We're just wrapping up our last week of winter classes, winter quarter classes. So we had a real. We have a real strong first year Greek uh, class that has just a bunch of troopers, you know, pushing through. And we've finished two quarters of Aramaic now. So for third quarter, we we are going to read a bunch of extra biblical texts, uses of Jewish Aramaic spanning about a thousand years. Uh, excited about that. Hmm. And, um, yeah. So spring quarter is on its way. Hang on just a sec. Plug, like, plug, plug. For some reason, I'm not coming through on the radio, which is very odd. Um, let's stop this broadcast real quick. I'm sorry for everybody on Facebook live right now. Um, I'm trying to figure out why I'm not going to the radio. Um, let me, uh, give me just a second here to radio. Yeah. I'm going to try to flick, f fix this on the fly real quick. Uh, and if I can't, um, let's see here to radio. Give me just a second. Everybody out there in radio land, um, USB codec. Okay. Now that should have worked. Test, test, test. Let's try it now. There we go. Okay. Sorry about that, everybody in the in the radio. Thank you to the chat room for alerting me to that. Very cool. Um, okay, so let's let's move on then. Last week, and sorry for all the you know we're kind of we're kind of a uh, little shaky trying out all this new technology. So um, a little distracted, and I apologize for that. Last week we looked at the Johannine uh, chronology. I'm probably saying that wrong. Um, I just read it. I don't hear it said a lot. So who knows? Anyway, um, so we looked at the John chronology, the hypothesis. And uh, I said that we were going to keep giving little little uh, teasers here and there. And so uh, this week, uh, we'll just look very, very briefly at the synoptic hypothesis or the synoptic tradition. And this, of course, is the idea that the synoptics are right and that uh, the Passover was actually held – or the Last Supper, rather. I'm sorry. The Last Supper was actually held on the Nisan 14 the day that the lambs were sacrificed, and uh, that, uh, well, basically people who hold to this hypothesis, they either think that uh, there's multiple things that could be uh, going on. Uh, maybe the language is different, or maybe there's a separate tradition. That's a famous one, that there's basic, you know, uh, when we were looking at the John hypothesis, I was trying to show that there are people who believe that there's true two traditions, one in the synoptics, and then one in uh, in in John. And so people who hold to this, uh, scholars who hold to this, a lot of the scholars will say that there was two traditions going around. 
Um, those who hold to the synoptic tradition or the synoptic hypothesis believe that uh, John specific, some of them believe, I should say, some of them believe that John specifically moved his, uh, his, his chronology so that Yeshua would die at the same time as the Passover lambs were being slaughtered on Nisan 14. And if you remember from last week, uh, sundown on Nisan 14 becomes Nisan 15, and that's the festival Shabbat, right? And so uh, I'll just read a couple of uh, reasons why people would hold to the synoptic hypothesis before we move on. Uh, Matthew 26, 17, now on the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Yeshua and asked, where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover? And that word there is Pascha. Another place would be uh, Mark 14, 12. On the first day of unleavened bread, when they were sacrificing the Passover lambs, his disciples said to him, where do you want us to go and prepare for you to eat the Passover, Pascha? And then, of course, Luke 22, 7. Then came the day of unleavened bread on, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. And if you remember last week, we talked uh, about uh, uh, John 18, 28. When it says they led him to the Praetorium, this is after the meal, right? The next morning, they led him to the Praetorium. And uh, they didn't want to, the high priest didn't want to enter because they were afraid they'd become unclean and they wanted to eat the Pascha. So it seems like there's obvious uh, contradiction here between what the synoptics and what John is telling us. Um, so that, I'm not going to, we're not going to try that's to... A, that's a deep, uh, a deep rut, right, in, in New Testament studies or gospel chronology studies is the putting the synoptics on one side and then having John deliberately repaint the picture as like a uh, narrative midrash of yes. Yeshua actually being the lamb. Uh, and and so that's the way it's been characterized. And what I'm, uh, what part of this teaser is, Caleb, if I'm right, is that we're going to, we're coming to uh, propose an alternative view that, that it, uh, challenges that deep rutted tradition of dividing, of, of pitting John against the synoptics. Yes, and not only, well, next week, what we'll do, so uh, for those who haven't tuned in before or don't know, um, we're uh, anticipating and hoping that uh, we will be able to have Dr. Brant Petrie on the show for our Passover special, which will be, I believe, on April 12th. Um, and so Dr. Petrie has, uh, he's taken scholarship that has already been put forward. He's compiled it all and then uh, expanded it and made what he calls the Passover hypothesis, uh, something that I've held to for uh, several years now, something that my father wrote about in 2008. And uh, so this is what, this is the the theory that we're going to have him talk about. So what I'm, what we're trying to do with these teasers is just kind of set up, this is what this hypothesis is, it, hypothesis is, this is what this one is, so that when we get to Petrie, we don't have to spend time going over you know, in depth, what all these different hypotheses are. And uh, so next week, we'll look at the Essene hypothesis, just briefly, which is uh, that uh, both are right. And this is a kind of an innovative way to look at it. Um, and yeah, so we'll wait until next week. I, I get excited about this stuff. And I want to talk about it. You know, I say Essene hypothesis, and then I want to dive into it. I'm like, yes, okay, let's talk about it. Anyway, so we'll wait until next week for that. Um, okay, let's move on. So today we have, thank you everyone. Yes, nice mug. If you want a Torah resource mug, you can get them on Torah resource. Um, okay, so we have quite a few different uh, different uh, 
uh, emails that were sent to us, comments that were sent to us. We always like getting these kind of emails because it helps drive these kind of episodes when we can talk about um, specific topics that, that you, the listener, have have given to us. So, uh, what do you think? I think it's about time to open up the uh, the Robin Caleb Show mailbag. Mail Okay, um, the first one comes from Stephanie. This is a great question, by the way. Um, and I know Stephanie. I've met Stephanie uh, several times. And so uh, good to get email from her as well. She says, a quick question. Does the name of Yeshua have power? Of course, for those who might not know, if you're brand new to this uh, to this stuff, Yeshua is the Hebrew name for Jesus. I think that most people know that by now. Um, she says, does the name Yeshua have uh, power? I'm referencing the doctrine within mainstream Christianity that says the actual name has power to heal or deliver or save, etc., apart from the person. This doctrine would state that simply speaking, the name of Jesus will accomplish something. I have encountered this, especially with charismatic or Pentecostal believers who have stated that there is power in the name. I'm not sure I'm being clear. Does this make sense? I don't agree with the idea. I just wanted to know your thoughts. Okay. Uh, well, Rob actually wrote a very good response to this. Uh, you want to go first? Um, no. Well, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Well, okay. So I, I suppose... Or did, I mean, I can talk about it. Sure. I, the, the one thing, the, 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 the one thing I would say is that you know, um, I've said many times. I believe that idolatry is the uh, the want or the thought that you can control God. Right? You put up a stat a, a statue. You put food in front of the statue. The or 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 even magic. Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the idea exactly. Of of being able to uh, through some sort of specific ritual or formula formulaic utterance. That there, you can control like heavenly um, realities or or earthly, re you know, that you can actually affect change in the divine realm. You know, this kind of uh, theurgy they call it. You know, maybe you know, yeah, it's a it's a strange uh, kind of teaching. But and and I would guess that people who believe that the name of Jesus has power are not thinking that way. I I I doubt that the you know the, you know the person out there who's just saying, "Well, Jesus' name has power to heal." Um, I doubt that they're thinking that way. That they're, con you know, going to control God or something like that. I just, I just think you know they could be very sincere and they just don't understand um, theologically, you know, what's going on. I um, totally, I totally but, agree with you, but the, but, the, but the point mm. I'm trying to make it, and I, mm. we're on the exact same page. When when a person puts, uh, you know, a, a idol up. Uh, you know, they, they put a Buddha up or whatever, um, you know, and then they put incense in front of it and they put all, you know, their fruit and whatnot. What are they, what are they hoping for? What are they expecting? They're expecting that the God will come into the statue, the stat and, you know, and then they, then they can get the attention of the God to hear the prayers or whatnot. Well, this is controlling. This is trying to control a God. And the point is, is that, um, you know, we can't control God. And that's one re you know, our God is not an idol, and we we don't have the ability to control God. This is why the sacred name movement, uh, I think, falls so flat. Just because you think that you have the right name, you're not going to be able to control God anymore. You know, it's not about controlling God. You're not going to connect with God more because you have the right pronunciation of the name. It's the same with Yeshua. Beyond that, that uh, another point that I think is is missed is that 
Yeshua or Jesus was a, a common name in the first century. It wasn't, it, you know, I mean, it might not have been like John is today, but it certainly wasn't, you know, obscure. Right. Right. That's a good point. But also, you know, what I replied, I thought it's a great email, by the way, a great question. Um, <clears throat> I, I quoted Acts 19. Uh, and I just said, you know, I'll just read this. So Acts 19, 13 through 16. Hint, Caleb, if you want to pull it up in accordance. No. <laughs> uh, okay, hang on it just says, a sec. Wait, wait, let's try this. Let's see here. So uh, what was it? It's Just make sure, just just pick it like NASB or something and make sure it's, make sure your text is big enough. And it's Acts what? 19. Yep. 13 through 16. See, we're learning as we go here. And hang on, let's let's bring this up. In even the future, more. if we produ- if we do some uh, pre-production, we could have some of this in the uh, <laughs> uh, hand. Yes, but exactly. that's all right. <clears throat> okay, go but for I'm, it. I'm reading. I have the NASB in front of me. So yep, same here. But uh, also, some of the Jewish exorcists who went out from place to place attempted to name over those who had the evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, "I adjure you by Jesus, whom Paul preaches." Seven sons of one Siva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. And the evil spirit answered and said to them, I recognize Jesus, or Yeshua, and I know about Paul, but who are you? Uh, And the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them and subdued all of them and overpowered them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. So I, I think what we have here is very helpful to address that question. If it was simply the utterance of the name Lord Jesus that would accomplish miracles, then uh, then the evil spirit would not have been able to overpower these men. So uh, this is a great uh, question, though. Then what does give us power? Then I, does the name I, does I, the I, name of Yeshua have power? I would say yes, if, but only only when it comes from a place of true faith. Well, you, well, and and what does that look like in in the Gospel of John? We we're told many times, Yeshua says, "Whatever you ask for in my name, you will receive it." Does that mean if I say, uh, in the name of Jesus, I have a Lamborghini, <laughs> or in the name of Jesus, I have a that big house on the hill, or yeah, I Steve. have a two-week pick, in the name of Jesus, I have a, uh, what are the new airplanes, or a, a $1.8 million mansion? Can, can, I, yeah, can, can, um, can, can I just say, yesterday I was uh, I was reading an article about Stephen Furtick, you know, he he's over in North Carolina, he's got like 14,000 people that go to his church. I was like, to my wife, I was like, look... This guy is 37 years old. He's living in a $1.8 million mansion. And she's like, what are you doing with your life? The Robin Caleb show. Come on, man. <laughs> Keep going. You're right. Keep going. So, uh, but yeah. So what, is, what does this mean? It means whatever you ask, it, just like the Lord's Prayer, thy will be done. Yeah. What, what happened? What does Yeshua teach us in the garden? Not my will, but yours be done. done. Yeah, exactly. If if we call ourselves a disciple of Yeshua, and the the prayer "Not my will, but yours be done" has isn't a major part of our walk and a part of our uh, uh, relationship with the Creator, then we're we've got some you know we got to go back to the woodshed here, and we got uh, some growth and mature maturing to do. Um, that that's where I'm coming from on this. I think just, yeah, I think you're totally right. The name Jesus, but uh, doesn't mean anything. Is it the Jesus of the Mormonism? 
Is it the Jesus of Mohammedism? Is it the is it the the Jesus that uh, that some Orthodox Jews try to say, or is it the the Jesus of the Talmud? You know what 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 are we or medieval Jewish legends that what they call the Toldo Yeshu? You know, obviously it we're talking about people who are new creations in Messiah, whose heart is to do the will of the Father, who understand their place and their shalom they have and the grace they have with the creator of heaven and earth is through yeah. what what the Son of God did by coming and, and paying for our sin in spite of our being sinners. And um, and that we, we don't just invent this beautiful worldly pictures according to the world and say, oh, this must be God's will for my life. Uh, rather, we seek him. It says, whoever follows me, take up his cross daily. Mm. Does that mean that God's not going to bless you? No, it's his good pleasure to bless us. But we, uh, you know, does it, does it, what does it cost us to be a disciple? And are we, do we know what it means when we use the name Yeshua? When I say Yeshua, I don't, it's not just an utterance of a name. No, it's personal all relationship, that, right? Yeah. And all the story and all the significance and all the, the reality of what he's done in my own life and what I see him doing in other people's life, all that comes to bear. Mm. Uh, not just, it's not just a name, you know? Yeah, no doubt. It's personal covenant relationship. Good question. Good, good email. Yeah, that was a good one. Okay. Let's keep going. Uh, this one is, is interesting. Uh, so a uh, friend of the show, Aaron wrote in and his, uh, his email was longer and maybe we'll at some point get to some of the other things that he talked about. But the first part is what really grabbed my attention. He says, there are a couple of topics that get quite a bit of airtime that seem to be reactionary instead of proactive. What I mean by that is that there is much time refuting something because it's out there reactionary instead of the studious perspective of explaining where something originated from proactive. If the goal is to educate people, then the beginnings of something is as important as the rebuttal. That's a great, now I don't, I certainly don't want to just focus on, on uh, just this comment. We've had numerous people, students at Torah resource Institute, and other people who have written us, uh, given us really good feedback and whatnot. But um, it's this idea that uh, it's almost the, this idea that people are getting their, you know, I had somebody email and say, I, I don't have a lot of time to sit down and study. So, you know, a lot of what you say is I'm, I'm basically, he didn't come right out and say this, but I mm -hmm. basically what I got was I'm, you know, your show is what, uh, where I'm getting my education. What do you think about that, Rob? Is that is is our goal to educate? What's the goal? I would say if if we're going to use that, and it's a, a legitimate question, mm -hmm. if we're if we're going to use that framework to think of what we do, then we are just then we're just in a very very qualified narrow sense. Are we involved in education? Um, I think what. Well, for example, a Torah Resource Institute, what we would consider education is much broader tent, uh, bigger and uh, more breadth and depth and width and height, you know, in terms of uh, what we would say is a comprehensive or a robust education. So if you're don't come to the Robin Caleb show for what we were calling a robust education. 
um, we can't do that for you, right? I mean, we, that's like I can't learn. I can't learn how to cook. Uh, I don't know what do you like to cook, Caleb. I can't learn it for Caleb, and Caleb can't learn uh, a skill for me, right? I I can't learn a skill for somebody else. I can't. Uh, Caleb can't learn to play cello for me, right? Caleb learned to play cello for Caleb, and 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 it took all the years and the practice and the the love hate you know all the stuff Caleb had to go through while uh, persevering and learning and growing to to have a a, a high level of fluency and competency and uh, all the things that Caleb comes to when he picks up his cello or if he goes to buy a new bow or whatever there's all those things that's our Malcolm Gladwell uh, what does he call that the blink there's there's a a, a thousand different decisions that Caleb will make when perhaps preparing to play cello. Okay, wait, hang on um, just a sec. Hang but, on, but, you don't, but you're not conscious of all those things. Wait, 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 so, hang on. But, wait, but, wait, 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 wait. Hang on, though. So, so now are we copping out then? Uh, you know, we've, we've been very critical of 119 saying, oh, don't, you know, test everything, which sounds great on the outset, right? Go test everything. I agree with that. Go test, go test everything. But the point is, is that the fact that they say it all the time almost becomes a cop out, right? Oh, we were wrong about that? And they basically said this. Oh, we were wrong about the, the you know, sunburned? Well, we told you to go test it. We told you we might not be right. Is that, I mean, is that kind of what you're saying then? No, I'm saying that there's two, there, that, that there's two sides to education, right? There's, there's the person that's just giving the information, and then there's the student who's doing the, the building, one thing that we are trying to model, and this is where I'd say if we if we are providing an educational um, uh, piece, it's to general study habits, general practice. We're not going to say yeah. test everything. We're going to try to show you and give examples of how to do it. This is how to study. And we have pe- yeah, and we have people email and say, hey, you know, you talked about this. Do you have any resources I can, I can recommend some readings, you know, recommend some books or places to go. Um, but I, I wouldn't say we're educational. I say, I see that we're more prodding people. See, I, I feel like we're, we're show what I feel like we're trying to do is open up the toolbox and say, look, here are the tools. Now go use them. Mm. In other, okay, look, I, I have a, I have a buddy who uh, is very into, financial freedom. Okay. And, uh, kind of like one of these financial guru kind of guys, except for, you know, he, he'll tell you, he always talks about financial freedom, financial IQ, all these kind of things. And he'll straight up tell you, if you aren't going to put in the time, you're not going to make any money. You're going to be working a nine to five and you're going to try to retire. You're not going to have enough money. But if you put in the hard work and the time, then you can become financially free and you can do it quickly. And I, I'm like, okay, well, I don't have the time to do that. And he's like, okay, that's great. You're not going, you're just, you know, you're not going to have a retirement saved. You're not going to have money to do anything. I feel the same way about people who say, well, I'm a dad and I don't have time to study. I don't, I don't have the ability or the time to go out and study the, the word like you do. Well, okay, that's fine, but you put what you put into your spiritual life, you're going to like into your spiritual growth is what you're going to get out. 
If you say that you never have time to study and you never pick up your Bible and you never sit down and spend time with the Lord and pray, guess what? You're not going to get anything out of it. And so, I mean, the idea that I can't, I don't have time to sit down and study. Look, I get it. I'm a father of two. I have a wife. I have a full-time job. I'm going to school. Okay. I, you know, I have a part-time job as well. I get it. I get how busy people are. It's very difficult. And you know what? I wouldn't be able to study nearly as much if I didn't have the job that God has given me, which is great. But at the same time, I still find time on my own at my house to sit down with a book, to pray, to study, to look at things, to pull out accordance, to try to, you know, I've tried to set myself up that I can actually look at things and study. So what I'm trying to do with this show is point out, no, this, this is not right. This person is saying this, but this isn't right. Why? How do we know that? Well, here are the tools to understand why he's not right. Now, if I've if we've helped given you even one tool and you pick up another tool somewhere and you got an array of tools, guess what? Now you can go, you can sit down and you can make the time. But what you invest into it is is what you're gonna get out of it. It's also like food, right? Yeah. We we've we've made the analogy yeah. of food. Go ahead. Well, on the it says in Galatians, Paul just reiterates the principle. God is not mocked. A man sows what he reaps. Or, or sorry, I said that backwards. A man, it, we reap what we sow. Yeah. Right? And it's talking about a personal, what are you investing your time in into? And if it's to, I want to be a multimillionaire by the time I'm 30 or 40 or 50 or whatever. 30 and 40, those ships have passed for me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but if I want, I want to build this because I want to have nice things in this world mm-hmm. and I want to have a comfortable future, um, then that's what occupies that person's attention and they're going to grow in discernments on how, um, you know, how they can more, you know, how can they can strategize, how they can do that. Well, those same, all that energy, if that was po- put into spiritual things, you would likewise reap reward. I've actually had people tell me, well, I never had the luxury to study. And that feels a little bit of like, uh, wait a minute. It like, it's like finding someone who, who maybe has a, like an athlete or something. Not that I'm an athlete, but just saying, oh, like Larry Bird making, well, he makes, you know, he made 95 out of every hundred free throws he shot from the line. Well, I'm just not gifted like Larry Bird. No, he practiced like 500 free throws a day. You know, uh, when the when the when the Madison Square Garden was empty, he would be there, and there'd be a janitor sweeping floors, and Larry Bird would be there at the free throw line shooting free throws. Okay, so that's what we're talking about. We're talking about the the what do you put into it? And Yeshua said he never promised easy. He never pro- he prom he actually said it's he made it pretty clear. Count the cost. Um, you know, it's you know the man who found a treasure in the field. He sold everything he had to find that field. What does that translate into in today's world? What it, it means saying no to things that the world that the world wants you to say yes to. And I think so you have I, to say I, no to those. I think it's funny that we were talking a little bit about this the other day, and and you brought up the fact that. There's like a billion hours of YouTube being watched in the world each day. <laughs> Every day. <laughs> yeah, you don't have the time to sit down with your Bible. That's but <laughs> that's over ten thousand lifetimes of 
<laughs> oh, here, and how many total hours did you figure of, of YouTube have people watched the Robin Caleb show? 75,000. Like, uh, minutes. Minutes. So it, was, it converted minutes. to like 1,200 hours. Okay, so as of the other day, there was like 12, 1,200 hours of Robin Caleb show had been watched on YouTube. That's for the last four years that we've been doing this. A, what does that measure in terms of a billion hours a day? It's it's not even a it's drop nothing. in the bucket. Yeah, it's not. It's like if you had the ocean, we're like a tiny little uh, amoeba, a speck, <laughs> or, yeah, or a a globule uh, floating in the ocean, right? It it's and and all those hours are being consumed. What are those people pursuing? Well. The choice of what they are consuming is driven by their priorities and their goals or the fact that they're just floating around uh, kind of like, a, you know, responding to advertisement and stuff like that. Sorry. Sorry about that. Did you hear that? That's okay. Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) Our chat room is uh, figuring out how to see all the comments. And, uh, yeah, I could do that. But uh, I also would then, of course hear everything anyway okay i know i agree anyway, I, I i agree with you completely i think that one of the so the conundrum it's a, it's a the conundrum i'm hearing is well you it sounds like you guys are mostly reactionary and if the goal is to be educational you need to just uh provide the non-reactionary but just the more positive uh statements of what of the history of things and describing things and in it in a hope that that would undo these teachings that somehow these teachings would be handled and they would disappear. Um, you know, I've been in I've been in the messianic quote movement for almost twenty years, probably nineteen twenty years, and I've seen things cycle, cycle, cycle. I see people I knew then kind of you know I've seen what where people have gone, and what they've done, and and where they are now versus where they were ten, fifteen, twenty years ago. It's really you can see where people how many people pursued things to, that they wanted to learn about and then how many people were just got to a point where they were content with whatever couple books they'd read hmm. and then they let those books kind of shape and make decisions. Um, and, you know, that's each of us, uh, you know, I mean, I don't know what to say, but it's, it's certainly not a luxury. It's not, uh, we're talking, it costs. One of the... Know, to, yeah, one of the things that I, you know, I don't want, I don't think that we're, we're doing something that's, you know, uh, yeah, I, I don't want to overstep what we're actually doing. One of the things that I do want to do with this show is be, uh, is be the the leaky faucet that just keeps dripping, right? Even the people who don't like us, even the people who are against us in theology and those kind of things, I hope that when they start listening to something uh, that sounds real good. Sounds too good to be true. You know, it's like when, it's like, I mean, I can think of numerous occasions that this has happened. You know, Tovia Singer is a, is a good one. Another one is, uh, another one is uh, like the Copper Scroll Project. You know, when you heard these things, oh, when you heard these okay. things come, th- you know, come over the, you, you see them on YouTube and you think, wow, the, this is amazing, right? Or wow, this person knows so much more than I do. I, the one thing I hope about what the Robin Caleb show does is makes you stop and say, hang on, wait a second. Does I'm, this pass the, remember, well, we had our seven, we had, yeah, we had seven things, but does it pass the sniff test? 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Is that's the, all we're. That's exactly. That's all we we want to do. Yeah. It says in Romans twelve, don't let a person think more highly of himself than he ought, but be sober minded. That's we, we. That's what we're trying to to dial in here. Is we we want to say this is what we're here to do, and you know, I think like the, a couple of weeks ago we went into this Isaiah nine six, and we tried to do this thing, and. And it got, it, I, it was difficult for me because I realized, and I realized after the feedback and, and then just the going through it and looking back on it was I was trying to do something of a different genre you were of, trying a, to of teach. a seminar style. Yeah. You were yeah. trying to teach. And it, and what we realized is that, okay, that's, that's a different thing. It's a, don't try to, uh, you know, it's, there's ways that we could have made the points uh, that I wanted to make that are that are fitting within what we're trying to do, um, but we we pushed too hard, we pushed too far, and and we got a sense of the limit now. Baruch Hashem, right? That's I mean, we're yeah. growing, we're learning. We don't come into this understanding exactly how we're going to do that. Just like we, we are know right now we're, with the we're, technology. We're just slowly podcasters, man. That's it. <laughs> our passion. What I hope comes through is our passion for Yeshua. Our, our, yeah. um, our, what do I want to say? Our expectations in terms of what is sound method and scholarship. And we're not asking you to, any of our listeners to put standards on other people that we're not also saying hold us to. Yeah. Right. We're, we're not, we're not trying to say, oh, you know, don't, don't measure us by our own standards. We're we're saying we need to use standards that are across all the, way the board. Across the board. Well, and that's the thing is that I the one the one thing that you know going back to it, I just I don't mind if people theologically disagree. That's totally fine. You can theologically disagree, no problem. What I'm hoping though is that is that there's this little uh, this little voice in your head. Wait, does that does that hold the mustard? Is what this person is saying actually? Stand up to, to truth. Okay, let's move on. Yeah. another way, uh, Caleb, back to the food idea. Um, I was thinking we could think of ourselves as like a little little appetizer. And then you said like a side salad when we were talking about this the other day. What, but the why, whatever it is, I don't, you know, I don't think we're the dessert. I don't want to think of us as this sweet, non-nourishing thing. I want to think that we do have some nourishment, but we're not the main course. We're not the main meal. Yeah, exactly. We're not the steak. We're not the... Uh, you know, I don't know whatever you have uh, for dinner, <laughs> but we're not the main course. Mm, let's see. I had the taco salad last of, night. Mm, yes. Yeah. The main course of our discipleship is in our relationships with other people, other yeah. believers. Yeah. It's in our relationship with unbelievers. Yeah. It's in our relationship with other people. It's in our uh, gathering as a community and worship and mutual edification and support and prayer. And that's that's just your day to day thing, you know. It's it's not a, it's a super, you know, fireworks going off all the time. Everybody working miracles and all this. Someone actually asked me a couple of weeks ago on Shabbat, how come we don't see, you know, I just don't. I, I think we're missing something. We're missing something because we're not just seeing people being healed of cancer like right away and all this stuff. And I was like, well, I said, you know what I think right now. I think that, uh, particularly maybe in America, but in, in, at least in the networks I know of, there's a, a hunger and thirst for the Word of God, like it says in, in the book of Amos. 
people are hungry and thirsty for what is real. Mm. And, but they'll go to these mega churches. They'll go to their, they'll, a lot of people are staying at home watching uh, YouTube, but they do church by YouTube. And so there's this distance there. Um, they can turn off a pastor anytime, you know, they watch a pastor, like, oh, done with them, move on to someone else. And it's all now put in the choice of the person who's got the mouse, who's controlling yeah. the clicker, right? Yeah. Um, so how is that person, the person who's consuming all their theology through the internet, and you know, Robin Caleb shows coming at you through the internet, but how how are you, the consumer, religious consumer, how are you ever going to receive correction? Who knows you well enough in your life to say, hey, I want to talk to you about something, a, a pattern of behavior that I see in you, or I saw this. Where are you going to get that? And um, that's, that's a danger. How are you going to grow as a disciple of Yeshua? I, I just don't think it's a sustainable growth. I think what happens is that person who's isolated gets more and more uh, in need of excitement and sensationalism and Bible prophecy being fulfilled, and then and they get worked up into this anxious end times kind of state uh, that perpetuates consuming more of the fake news, like the Israel, what's the one? There's the one that comes out of Israel, uh, and it's just, it's, it's crazy. Like the 70 nations descending on Israel, and they, they use rabbinics to try to unpack what's happening in world uh, history, and then they sell it to Christians, and the Christians, oh, the Orthodox Jews are saying this, this, and this, and it's just a feeding frenzy, and it's all a distraction. People spend hours and hours and hours into that kind of stuff, and that's what they'll talk about, and what happens to Yeshua? Hey, what, where's the gospel in hey, this? Hey, if it comes from Israel, it must be right, Rob. Come on, man. Don't you know? I mean, we see, that with te- we see that with teachers, too, right? If somebody is from Israel who speaks Hebrew, as like their first language, then it doesn't matter what their theology is, they must be right. They have, they have currency. They have capital. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So here's, here's my, if we were to boil all this down, we are not your source for education. Discipleship to Yeshua is hard. It's going to cost you if you're serious about it. Mm. And there's no shortcuts. There's no instant download all the answers. It's going to cost you. You're going to, you're going to struggle with it. You're going to have times where you're you're saying, "Am I doing it right? Am I even on the right path?" You're going to have, uh, but you'll also have times where you will have floods of of shalom from the Creator of heaven and earth that, that will reassure you in your path, and you will know that you will not trade it for anything else. You'll know more and more that what you have that you're not going to let go of. Hmm. Because you know it's real, it's true, it's tested, and and that you're not going to budge. That's that's what this is all about. And and we're here. We, you know, we laugh, we we do funny things, we talk about serious things, we try things. Some things stick to the wall, some things fall off, and that's what we're. That's just what we're here doing. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Let's go. Let's move on. Enough. Enough is enough. Uh, let's move on. We got one more. Uh, we got one more piece of mail. I, and this from Lois, who just left the chat room. She had to go somewhere, which is fine. Uh, but hopefully she'll hear this later. She says, I tried to listen 
as a person who is either pro-Singer, now last week and the week before, we talked about Tovia Singer. By the way, this is just a fun fact, and uh, you know, who knows, maybe he'll, he'll uh, see this. Uh, I got a notification in my inbox this morning that uh, Tovia Singer has now subscribed to the Rob and Caleb show, which is great. I hope, <laughs> I, I hope, you know, maybe he'll uh, maybe he'll start listening and uh, we can have some good discussion. Um, anyway, for those who don't know or did not catch last week's and the week before show, Tovia Singer is a very outspoken anti-missionary. He uh, does a lot of work in the Philippines and in Singapore. He uh, He's made series and pulled tons of people out of Christianity and uh, pulled tons of people out of Messianic Judaism and also brought many uh, non-believing Jews back into Judaism. And uh, so he's been hailed as, as a, a very effective uh, uh, anti-missionary. So uh, last week we talked about uh, uh, teaching that Tovia Singer did in the Philippines when he was responding to a question about Isaiah 53. Um he said, uh, this is what Lois says about that show. She says, I tried to listen as a person who was either pro singer or perhaps didn't know anything about the issues. You kind of dropped the ball a couple of places. I'd like emails like this. First, I didn't hear you ever read from the H article, though you said you were going to. Okay, first of all, I did read from the H article, so I got to correct you on that, Lois. And let me, um, give me just a second here. I'm going to... I'll read it again. Here's the part that we... I think we didn't feature it. We didn't feature it, but but we did read from it. I I can understand why it didn't stick out front and center. So Um, this is the part part that I did uh, read from in the Aish article. Quote, this is from Aish.com. The article is in last week and the week before show notes. Christianity claims that Isaiah chapter 53 refers to Jesus as the suffering servant. In actuality, Isaiah 53 directly follows the theme of chapter 52, describing the exile and redemption of the Jewish people. The prophecies are written in the singular form because the Jews... Israel are regarded as one unit. Throughout Jewish scripture, Israel is repeatedly called in the singular, the servant of God. See Isaiah 43, 8. In fact, Isaiah states no less than 11 times in the chapter, in the chapters prior to 53, that the servant of God is Israel. This is a true statement. This is a true statement. Isaiah 50, Isaiah does refer to Israel as the suffering servant. Now, last week I was looking for a, uh, for a, a place, uh, I, I made the claim that uh, Isaiah refers to, has two two servants, right? He has Israel, and then he has what looks like a, a second servant. He refers to what I would say is the Messiah as the, the servant as well, right? Um, and I think that there are claims for this. Lois is going to touch on this here in a second. So just to answer the first question, we actually did refer to the Asia article we just didn't tell you we were reading from it. So that was our bad. Sorry about that. She says, then Caleb, you went to go look for a place in Isaiah 43 where servant refers to something besides Israel and you never came back to it. At this point, the uh, the pretend me says, aha, they don't know what they are talking about any more than the guys they're challenging. This is a great point. Now, the reason that I didn't go back to Isaiah 5, uh, 43 was because I had the wrong reference. Um, there are multiple places where it could be argued. And now I, I will give this to Singer and I'll give it to the anti-missionaries. Anywhere that you have servant within Isaiah, it could be understood, understood to mean Israel. If you want to take it that way. And the same goes for Isaiah 53, right? Any Bible verse. Exactly. Right? I mean, 
Okay, Caleb, I mean, this is where I, sorry, I hope I'm not interrupting you. Where no, I, go where for I it. Where you going with this is, let's say we sat down with Tovia Singer, and we said, we're going to read through the whole apostolic writings. Every time we get to a quote from Tanakh, what's he probably going to say? There's a misrepresentation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's uh, a misquote. It's misquoting scripture. It's making it's making Jewish scripture mean something it's not because it's uh, either lying to people or it is uh, they're just they just don't know what they're talking about and they're inventing meaning. Okay, but but that's a, trying to pull one over. That's the point. At, though. at every point, at every point, it's going to be oh no, they're misinterpreting scripture. But that's the point, is that even, okay, now I, I, I think that Lois, she goes on here to talk about uh, when I read from the art scroll. Uh, she's saying they did, uh, I th- well, actually, let's read that comment real quick because it'll play into what I'm, I'm trying to say. She says, then it was unclear to me whether you were saying the Hebrew has or has not been correctly translated in the English Bibles, where it says he instead of them, or whether the art scroll agrees with Singer or with English translations. This is the, an interesting point because the art scroll does agree with Singer in translating uh, the the word them instead of he, okay, in, in Isaiah Lamo, Lamo yeah, yeah. in Isaiah fifty three eight, right? But they they don't they don't in, they still don't interpret the verse the same as Singer, and this is exactly my point. Yes, Singer can say that it's all Israel, it's all Israel, it's all Israel in Isaiah 53. Anytime they refer to the servant, it's Israel. Okay, he can say and that. it's the nation speaking. And it's the nation speaking, yeah. That's his argument. However, Art Scroll takes Isaiah 53, 8 as saying that Israel is speaking. Or that it, that yeah. it, not that Israel is speaking, but that, it, that Israel will be uh, punished. Uh, I could get it again and read it. But anyway, the point is, is that they have a different interpretation, even though they translate Lamo the same, even though there's single singulars all the way up to that verse, which hermeneutically would say that that should be translated as a singular. The point is, the, the, the point is, is that everyone is going to, can, can have different interpretations, right? What, what is so dishonest? What we tried to expose, yeah, what we tried to expose is that what you by watching the video of singer you're going to think this is a he's 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 framing this as jewish versus christian tradition nail in the coffin and 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 the point is there's a lot of people that are going to take that and run with it go oh that's valid but if we had a bunch of if we had art scroll if we had sanchino if we had uh, all these talmudic rabbis all at one table yeah. uh, on one side of the table and you had all the christian theologians on the other side if you kept the, if you let the conversation go long enough, pretty soon the Christians could all be quiet and the Jews are all going to be arguing with each other. Yeah. Right. And that's what we tried to point out is that Singer really is at odds with his own tradition, but he's but he's not getting to that level of depth. He's trying to stay on this level to make it say Jews on one side, Christians on another. Let's wave, but stay on the other opposite sides of the streets. And he's trying to make it seem as though it's so obvious. Oh, these people don't know they're Hebrew. The Christians don't know Hebrew. These people don't know what it is. And guess what? I mean, he even said it in that clip. He said, the Christian translators have lied to you. They're, they, how, how can you switch the Bible? That's the last thing that he said in that clip that we played, right? How can you, how can you change the Bible? This is, I mean, I'm sorry. It's just not honest. So, but that's for the point, though, that I think we did get a little bit lost in the weeds, a little distracted. uh, And again, you know, I I, I hear that. I receive that. I think think the place that I was looking for, by the way, in terms of servant was Isaiah 42, not 52. Um, But even there, I think at one point it refers uh, back to Israel. uh, You know, 
There's multiple places in Isaiah, and if the person that is great to listen to on Isaiah is Ariel Berkowitz. If you want to uh, hear a, a, pers- a Jewish perspective, uh, a Messianic Jewish perspective on Isaiah 50, uh, uh, on Isaiah in general, uh, then Ariel Berkowitz is the guy to listen to. He's done, uh, that's kind of his life work, his studies in Isaiah. And man, is he fun to listen to. And he's a good storyteller, too. So he really frames everything. The fact that he lives in Israel, he you know he knows a lot of the archaeology and all that kind of stuff. Uh, we have stuff, a Torah resource that you can look at from from uh, from Ariel Berkowitz. But the point is, is that, I mean, there's all sorts of different nuances within within uh, uh, Isaiah. You know, even Isaiah 48, which, which uh, Rob and I were looking at the other day, you know, it, it you have God talking, God talking, God talking. And then all of a sudden it says, God has sent me. Well, of course, I look at that. I see it as the Messiah, right? The Messiah is talking at that point. I'm positive that Singer would say, "No, that's not the Messiah." It's probably he's probably going to say it's Israel. So it's it's disingenuous for me to say, "Oh, well, this is obviously what it is." Well, people take different. Uh, interpretations and have different hermeneutics on how they're going to to uh, present this stuff and interpret it. But the problem is, is that Singer is not telling you. No, the rabbis have have uh, throughout the ages interpreted Isaiah fifty three as referring to the Messiah, even into our modern day. The Chabad have have uh, put it applied with, it to Schneerson. Yeah. Uh, applied it to Schneerson. Why would they do that if it's talking about Israel? No, they're saying it's talking about the Messiah. So I mean. The, the whole point is is that while I, while Singer might have his interpretive points, yes, can Lamo mean them? Yes, it can. There's no doubt about that. But what he, but he's only telling you a quarter of the story. It's not even a quarter of the story. He's telling you right. one eighth of the story. He's not telling you that the rabbis disagree with him. He's not telling you that the uh, Rambam disagreed with him. He's not telling you that the Chabad today have have disagreed with him and 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 placed this towards uh, Schneerson, saying that it's about the Messiah. He's not telling you any of this, which means that he's not being truly honest with his interpretation and with his audience. What is he trying to do? He's trying to pull people away from the Messiah Yeshua. And okay. If I thought that someone was teaching a false messiah, I might try to do the same thing. But I'm not going to lie to my audience about it, and that's what—that's the problem that I have with the way that that uh, singer has presented this. If you're going to be—if you're going to teach, you know, be honest. Be honest with the with the the various uh, the various interpretations and what people have said, especially when it's it's something like this where you're going against Jewish tradition for centuries. Right. And and also this is this gets us to another point of this education because we talk about using just weights and measures and we try to do these kinds of things so that our relationships go and we're acting in integrity, in uprightness, in de- we're dependable, right? And we're emet, right? We're, we want to yeah. be truthful in our words. Um, but ultimately, if we know from the Gospels themselves that people were, is okay, is he really the Messiah? Can this guy be the Messiah? No, he can't be the Messiah. Oh, he can be. So all the way right off the bat, uh, Jews were arguing about how to inter- how to make sense of Yeshua. Who, where does he fit? And what does Yeshua say to to Peter? He says, Simon Bar Yonah, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, when he confessed him, he says, "It's not it's not uh, flesh and blood that revealed this to you, it's, you know, but my Father is in heaven." In other words, that tr- to truly know uh, who Yeshua is. Is you have to be in Yeshua, you have to be found in Him, and that's not something you earn. That's not something you, um, 
you it's know, some, it's have something, to sign up for and, and jump through hoops in order to become. Um, it's, it's something he what, sh- it's something he shows you. The chat room's got it. Gary in the chat room, who is by the way our programmer, which I should have mentioned it from the beginning. A big thank you to uh, to Gary for all the work that he does uh, for us and for the radio uh, for the radio show. But um, he uh, he brings up this great passage. In um, Luke twenty four twenty seven, then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he that is Yeshua, explained to them who's them. These are his own disciples, right? Mm-hmm. So even at this point, they hadn't seen him in the in the uh, in the Torah and in the prophets until he explained it. He explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. Yeah, exactly. If the if the Messiah, and if if, you, if if you're coming from a position, even if you with all the upright uh, relationship skills, conversation, good conversation, and and rationality, but you reject that, we're only going to be able to talk. We're only going to be able to uh, go so far with our conversation, and we're going to get to a point where it's like, okay, um, you know, we're at a, a core difference. Yeah. Uh, are you part of a commitment? that has Yeshua at the center or are you a commitment that has something else that has put something else. And, and in the rabbinic world, they're going to say, well, we put the Torah center. That's what they're going to say. Yeah. Um, and then as you unpack that, it could be, well, what we mean by that is the Talmudic tradition, the Babylonian Talmudic tradition. And if you push it even further, you'll get to the, you know the the old school Jerusalem Kabbalists are saying no, it's it's the Zohar and it's the the uh, Isaac Luria and the 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 Kavanot. You know, it's our it's our mystical tradition is the core. That's where the the wheat is. All the Talmud and this is the this is the writing of the Kabbalist. The the study of Gemara and all that stuff that's important or or that's good, but that's that's really the chaff. It's yeah. not the it's not the meat. It's not the grain. And so. Um, and again, that's where you'll start having Jews argue with each other about about things. And it's no, it's not this Jew versus Christian argument. And that's all we're trying to point out, I think, or one of the main points we want to convey. Yeah. So we've had some uh, great comments in the uh, in the chat room, and it looks like the chat room's uh, doing well. Anything How else? You... People like I had what I did. I turned off my my Facebook because I think it was. Uh, Stressing my system, so I so I hope it's running smoother. But I'm just curious. Well, Yvonne Yvonne says I like this format. I've been able to listen and bake a cake and cook a stew all at the same time. Yeah, Uh, yeah. Anyway, um, so yeah, special seasoning that that food's going to taste awesome. That's right. That's right. All right. Well, anything else you want to say before we uh, before we take off here? Um. No, just persevere. Yeah, no persevere. doubt. Yeah, no doubt. No, uh, stay in the word. Remember, remember, you've been purchased, you know, with a with a for a price. No and, doubt. Um, and it's an awesome thing. Accept the fact of it, um, and and go for go all in for the Shema. Right, go all in. Yeah. We've actually had a little bit of a short day today. It's only been about an hour, um, but uh, that's okay. We'll uh, we'll 
We'll come back next week and do it again. And uh, I got to say thank you to everybody who sent us emails. We love getting emails from you guys. We collect them. They all go into a folder. And then if we if we uh, need show ideas, we go back in and we'll – a lot of – like with this one, we just compiled emails together. And uh, that's how Maybe we got we'll, Someday we'll publish all the emails without name. We'll change the names to yes. protect yes. Uh, people. <laughs> So, um, yeah, always send us emails, chagatorresource.com. That's chagatorresource.com. Don't forget, we have a comment line. Please feel free to use it. It's a recorded line, so uh, you don't have to actually talk to us. It's uh, 253-465-3205. I'll give it to you one more time. It's 253-465-3205. And uh, tell us what you like, what you hate, what you disagree with, what you agree with, whatever. We love to hear it. And next week, we will be back once again. Uh, also, remember to send us uh, questions for Dr. Brant Petrie as we will be interviewing him soon uh, for our Passover special. We want to be able to ask him all those kind of good things. So until next time, we hope that this conversation has done one thing, and that is to glorify our great God and Savior, Yeshua the Messiah. <laughs>